Hola. Welcome to episode 57 of Word to Your Mama. I'm your host, Ritzy P. I'm coming off. I just got my booster and yesterday was not a good day, but I am here feeling a little bit better and uh, just happy that I got the booster, guys. You know, try to take care of myself and take care, most importantly, take care um, of my family and uh, try to do whatever I can for, for the supernatural bear. Um, this episode, we have the amazing Yvonne Gallardo. She's Latinx and she works in the arts and culture management space. She was on a little bit over a year ago when I first started the podcast. It was episode seven. It was her and Colony Little, who is a black arts writer. Also, she'll have a future um, ep- solo episode coming up in the new year. But together, we joined for they joined forces to talk about the future of BIPOC, disabled, and LGBTQ plus artists. And I feel that there was a lot of talk about art in that time, but and you know. Uh, it, equity and inclusion and all the diversity, equity and inclusion. But I didn't really hear the conversations coming from, you know, black and, and, and BIPOC, you know, black and brown people. So I wanted to have them on and it was, it's a fantastic episode. I have a link to that. But in today's episode, I wanted to do a deep dive with Yvonne uh, because I feel like we're kindred spirits. The From the moment I met her, I was like, ah, each other you know we know a lot of the same people but you know getting into the nitty-gritty we probably were dancing and sweating next to each other at at different events um in the past but in this episode we talk about how she's holding up in part two of the pandemic uh how we met during the caa 2018 conference we were on a we're invited to be on a panel called projections on future practice and also we got to meet um, Pepo Nosario, the amazing legendary artist, and uh, we talk about that experience. And then um, we also talk about her recent presentation for the NALAC National Latinx Art Summit. It was called In Time of Healing, Ofrendas of Remembrance. She did that with Fea Mujeres de Maiz and the amazing Dr. Amalia Mesa Baines. We also talk about how is her mug, her beautiful mug on the mural inside of Roy Choi's best friend um, restaurant in Las Vegas and so much more, especially like her nonlinear career path, how she got into, you know, the art space and um, also her her trajectory from L.A. to New York and then back to L.A., and the importance of uh, Latinx art in general. So, yeah, let's get into this. I think you're going to listen to it. You're going to love her. And uh, it'll be good timers. Let's get into it. And she she had to stop, like, doing it as often as she was. It's Ooh, deep. I bet. It's deep. We're, That's we're cool. over here caught in the hamster wheel meanwhile other people are like astral projecting just <laughs> moving through dimensions and times and <laughs> i love it yvonne thank you so much for being here first mm-hmm. and foremost um you know people need to understand that you've been here but with 
with Colony Little. You've been here before. Oh, that I'll was have, so fun. Yeah. I'll have a link. That was when I first started. So thank you so much. It was episode seven, Colony Little, Ivan Gallardo, The Future for BIPOC, Disabled, and LGBTQ+. Yes. artists and you guys went in and it was amazing because I knew it I was like when I first started the podcast and I made my list I was like making my list of who I wanted to have on and then I was like wait I want these two on but wait if I had them on together and we talk about I mean it was like timely everything da, da, da. but then I was like I want to have you guys on individually so here you are muchisimas gracias yeah, and I, I want to start off by just saying, I mean, we got into dreams and stuff, but let's start off by how are you doing in in year two of the pandemic? Oh, my gosh. Um, it has been a journey, but I am I am restored. I feel restored. I feel mm. um, I, I feel like I've been through several battles, both mm. externally and personally. Um, and I've come out on the other end and it's all Ooh. gratitude. It's nice. all gratitude, like still raw, still a little raw, still a little, you know, um, a new, you know, rough on the edges kind of thing, <laughs> still kind of settling into this new, um, the, this new start. But I definitely used last week's new moon to release a lot of stuff that, that I experienced was part of and struggled with over the past two years like I'm sure many people have so it feels good to be on the other side my man (laughs) yes that's what we love to hear you look amazing you sound amazing I mean this is good stuff good good stuff I mean especially compared to where the world and where we were as a nation when we recorded the episode um yeah. last year i mean it's it's different type of shit but it's a different kind of just general energy which you know i'm a hsp a highly sensitive person it's not something made up it's my doctor <laughs> i learned about it um so when you know there's energy that we carry there's energy that that we come into contact when we talk to another person or a group of people and then there's the bigger you know energy of this thing that whatever is happening out in the world and um you know I really saw it move people um in different ways and um I think one of the things that was so extraordinary about that time was we were for the most part um we were all kind of in a same situation like in the same in our houses in our you know um this this really acutely focused time where things we were all on the same page for lack of a better word and that was um a time I think where um you know that quote by Bob Marley like total destruction is the only solution Mm -hmm. um that has always from the first time I heard in high school or junior high school to now it still is such a profound statement because I don't think he was like oh let's destroy the world and then start all over again but it's like let's destroy this this you know a piece of history that we have been struggling with around social justice issues and let's think of something new and I think that the past two years was also 
I, I got excited, right? Even though we were limited, even though a lot of stuff sucked um, and we lost dear ones and significant, uh, you know, portions of our community to, to the pandemic, there was also a feeling at the beginning that, oh, maybe we can change some stuff. Yeah. Um, it felt good to feel that. <laughs> On the other side of it now, I see a lot of stuff defaulting back to the way things were. It's, you know, there's a human part where comfort is a seductive bitch. Pardon the the euphemism. I use that gender wide. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And comfort really drives our actions. And it's definitely been... um, I think the one of the henchmen of capitalism, uh, personally, that's these, these are my opinions. But so it's not unusual that we see stuff going back. But all that stuff, of, you know, talk about diversity, equity and inclusion, inclusion being, I think, the one that exists between people and within workspaces and within communities. That's just out the door. We're back to speed. We're back mm-hmm. to lack of awareness. We're back to, um, you know, a lot of the ha- bad habits that that we picked up um, over the decades as they relate to ourselves and our labor production, right, for lack of a better term. But, um, but you know, big movements don't happen linearly. They, yeah. they go front forward, they take two steps back, they go forward, they take four steps back, and that's where we're at. So, um, yeah, it was a unique moment. It, it, retrospectively, it's kind of amazing that we were part of that, right? Yeah. Like even yeah. the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And, and time will tell what, you know, where we're at. And some, you see a lot of people that were talking a big game that are now immediately when it was possible, jump back on the hamster wheel. And then some people, you know, kind of still had those lessons and kept those lessons and are trying to change. So you're right. Baby steps, little steps, forward, backward, sideways, you know, nonlinear for sure. For sure. Um, and then I wanted to mention that I was like, well, how, when, when did I meet Yvonne? And I remember when I met you, I, it was in 2018. It was the CAA conference that our homegirl Alice amazing yes. artist invited yes. us to shout out alice me you and star montana were there um i remember i was nervous as fuck um <laughs> the college art association panel yeah. yes it was projections on future practice and i remember i was freaking out and I remember I talked to my homegirl, Lilium and Elisa. And I remember we went out to eat. This was pre-pandemic, right? And we went out to eat. And I was like, yo, I got invited to this thing. And I was about to, like, say no when she told me it was going to be in front of, like, academics and da-da-da-da-da in the space. And they were like, they were like, yo, academics, they bullshit the most. They're <laughs> like, you're good. Like, don't even stress. And I was like, okay. That's some uh, good advice. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then so then I met you and I was like, how how do we not know each other? Like, you're amazing. Like, we're like kindred spirits. Like, how do we not know each other? 
And so that's when I knew that, you know, you 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 were in NYC and stuff like that. So I want to kind of get, a, you know, a little background because we did get a chance to do that last time. Where are you born or raised and how did you end up in NYC and da 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 da? Tell the folks. Yeah, well, just to the, that panel, was so great to meet you in person. But I knew about you before because Jesus Aldamando gifted me with some of your product, some oh. those great dish towels that I'm now addicted to, right? <laughs> with hip hop uh, verses on them. They're so, I just, and I bought them for gifts for other people. So I knew of you, but that was the first time we met. And certainly um, I had also known of Alice through my friend, photographer, art critic, art writer, Diana McClure, who's based in Diana Brooklyn. McClure, yeah, and I met her yeah. way back in the days. Yeah. Boom. See? I and I have a I had a feeling I'd heard about you through her too. Um, but um I, I have to say, and and of course Star, right? I'd known Star um before, who also was in New York at Parsons, um, oh. and then moved back home. Um, but the highlight of that panel. Girl of all, so so I researched what other panels were happening at that time, and we were in stiff competition. Like we were, we were. But who showed up to our Please. panel, Mama? Pepon Osorio. Pepon Osorio showed up to our panel, and he was. I, the, I was blown. I was he was blown the away. honoree or whatever that person that year for the conference. And ah, he, okay. Yeah, and he came. He not only did he come, he came and he stayed. Asked he asked us questions and then stayed afterwards. To I was just like, and he took pictures with us. I mean, yes! we were standing. We were standing. Pepon Osorio. <laughs> um, shout out to his brilliance, his mentorship, his um, just paving the way for extraordinary um, Latinx artists and. Um, a MacArthur fellow, I think also, yes. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was like awesome, but the story, you know, as, as we're like going back and, and looking at these intersections of relationships, um, I grew up, uh, between Pico Rivera and East Los, my grandparents, both grandparents were from East Los and Boyle Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody ever called it East Los and Boyle Heights. They called it East Los, like, you know, <laughs> East LA and whatever, like everyone's so colonizer energy with territorial with like, no, that's not East LA or no, that's not Boyle Heights. Anyway, <laughs> when my parents grew up, um, th- th- you know, it was just one big area and it was really diverse, but my grandparents still lived there. And I went to high school um, in Montebello and a lot of my friends lived in East Los. So I was always on that bus mm. on Whittier Boulevard that <laughs> back and forth um, between my grandparents, my friends, my school, and then home. Um, I was a callejera. Like I was always out in the streets, girl. Um, but I knew at a very young age, I mean, with no disrespect, I just had an instinct that I needed more than this five mile radius, right? Um, And I decided just to put in the work, not really knowing what I needed to do to go to college. I I was a first gen college um, student and no one, my parents couldn't help me with applications. Like there was no sense, right? Of what this took to 
make it happen. So, you know, comunidad, right? I, I leaned on the kindness of my fellow, um, some of my friends' parents who had kids who had went to school and could help me. Um, so the power of comunidad definitely catapulted me into um, this college experience. Girl, I just knew I wanted to go to New York. Like, that's <laughs> it. Like, I wanted to live in New York. And honestly, college was just the means to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I literally was like, what colleges are in New York? Okay, NYU, Columbia. Um, I think it was, I think I applied to um, Long like uh, St. John's, right, out mm. in Long Island. And then I applied to some California schools. But um, I had no idea what an Ivy League school was. Um, outside of hearing it on television, like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I heard. So I applied to those schools, and girl, I got accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just magic. I mean, I went to a really crappy school. Mm. Um, I had to go to junior colleges to take courses that I knew would help my academic portfolio, but that my school did not offer. That's how crappy it was. And it was really sexist, right? Because the boys school had all of those classes, but the girls school, girls school did not. Right. So anyway, so, um, went to New York, uh, went to Columbia. Of course, my dad was like, why can't you go to USC? And I showed him the financial aid papers of both (laughs) schools. And he was like, okay, (laughs) you know, You want to pay this, daddy, or you want to pay this? (laughs) Okay. Um, But it was funny because my parents were really like um, deer in the headlights with all of it, as as was I. I was super naive. I had no idea. I didn't know anyone in New York. I had never visited New York. Literally, the last week in August, I showed up in a cab on 116th and Broadway (laughs) with my suitcase. So, but, but all of that, um, I want to point out that there was someone at Columbia, a Chicano from Islos who I did not know, who worked in the admissions office as a work study. And part of his job was to go through the applications of new students. Girl, he advocated for me. I mean, we're talking about kids who went to prep school, like Exeter, Phillips, I mean, these are elite schools. They had way more, right? He really advocated for me to go. And so it's not just like what I did. It's what community did. Yeah. It's what someone I didn't even know did. Wow. It's powerful, amazing. right? That's the magic. That's, That's the, the magic. magic. Like, yes. Looking out. Um, so I went to Columbia. It was really rough. I was not like academically, I was really behind. I had to go, I had to take remedial courses, which put put me even farther behind than my fellow students. But then it was those remedial courses where I met all the cool folks, right? All the athletes were in the remedial course. <laughs> and the professors were were younger. And so they were having us read all the books that we would never, not all, but a lot of the books we would never read as part of the curriculum, which Mm -hmm. were a bunch of dead white males, right? Right. 
I, that's where I read James Baldwin. That's where I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. That's where I, so, you know, like, yeah. it's like the, it all happened sweet. the way it was supposed to happen. Incredible. And it really set me on a course to continue that learning outside of the curriculum that I was required to do. And I just was a voracious reader for all things, um, black and brown, sociopolitical, um, social justice, you know, authors, thinkers, philosophers. And um, so I owe it to, you know, not being prepared. <laughs> but thankfully, I graduated uh, four years. What did you what did you major in? What was your degree in? American history. And literally, it's not like I went and being like, I want to do American history. I really have really general, broad majors. Like they're not like, you know, UCLA has really specific undergraduate majors you can choose from. Um, basically, at the time I had to choose my major, I looked at the classes I had taken and I was like, I guess I like history. All right. You know, I had no idea what I wanted to do with that. Um, but my first year is where I met Diana McClure. That's my sister from another mister and her whole family. Remember, I don't have anyone on the East Coast. Yeah. Her whole family took me in. Like that's my that was my surrogate family for 12 years. Wow. I went to Thanksgiving every year um, uh, in Sharon, Massachusetts, where their family, <laughs> right, where they they gathered. So it was like, that was divine intervention too. just meeting this person that I remain in touch with. And I'm so, um, you know, so, so glad that we sustained that relationship despite the, the distance. So I majored in American history. I graduate. I didn't know what I was going to do, girl, by the way, the club scene <laughs> between <laughs> 1985 you were and in 1980. It. I mean, it was basically I did whatever I needed to do in school to be able to keep doing my thing in the city. <laughs> that's that's what my focus was. This was um, this was still at, you know, the hip hop industry had not um, yet become a business. It was still an art form. Mm. Um, and. It it was so it it was such a sacred space whenever I had um the opportunity to be to witness performances or just to be in a club listening to whatever music, right, was um out there. And then, you know, in 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 the 80s, like there was no like here the gay clubs, here the straight clubs. It we were all in it together, right? Yeah. Like we were in we were um, experiencing each other's um, aesthetics, expressions, um, language, like all in these spaces. So it was just, gosh, it was just so, yeah, so lucky to have been through that in that time. So I graduated college and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I got a hookup at the New York City Board of Education writing press releases ah. for the then chancellor because they were going through an asbestos crisis. Um, after that, they placed me in some admin position. And I was like, oh, no, honey, I cannot work for a bureaucracy. No, this is what I do. I don't know what I was to want to do, but I know it's not here. And really, it was because I needed to feel the impact of my work 
mm. quicker. Like, you know, a bureaucracy, like you just work and maybe it's some things change down the road. So I knew that wasn't for me. And I was really broke um, after quitting that job and um, was about to come back to L.A. because I was like, out, you know, asked out. And then my my friend, the other important person I met my first year in New York um, was Franklin Sermon. Shout out to Franklin, who's the director of the Perez Art Museum, Miami. Do you want to support original content that supports diverse voices? Why not support Word to Your Mama? You're listening to it right now. Become a patron. Head over to patreon.com slash WTYM. There are four patron levels to choose from, including Good Looking Out, I'm Down, Hell Yeah, and Please Believe It. Benefits include patron shoutouts, exclusive patron-only content, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash WTYM to take your support to the next level. Gracias. Who just, I, I'm sure it's coming down from Art Basel. Right. Yeah. Um, but he he had reached out, you know, we were friends, like we would hang out, we'd go to the clubs, like he was at Wesleyan, I was at Columbia, I met him through Diana and her family. And um he called me up out of the blue. Yo, E, you need a job? <laughs> he didn't even know what what I was like where I was at like I had not caught him up in a while and I was like oh my god yes and he's like they're they're hiring at the museum I'm working at I'm like cool what is it he was like I think it's like the fundraising department I was like all right whatever like he's like at least 25 dollars an hour I was like cool I'm there (laughs) so I literally got um hired to handwrite 2,500 invitations to their gala to this museum's gala and I can't believe I did that because my handwriting sucks now but I guess it was good back then um but then I just you know they loved me I guess they hired me onto that department and the and and development or fundraising the great thing about it is you have to learn everything about the museum and what it does from the rooter to the tutor So eight years of learning, not just how a museum works and all that goes into it, but also learning the the skill and craft of creating a value and Mm. or fundraising, right? So um, it was a great learning experience. When I started, Michael Govan, who's the director um, at LACLA now, he also started there as director. Um, and it was a small, small group of staff members, but we just gelled like really well. I didn't ever feel overmanaged. Michael was a great visionary as he is now. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a wonderful work first kind of work experience for me that I I don't take for granted because I have never experienced it again. Uh. So yeah, eight years of that. And then I was like, I'm tired of, of, of learning about German conceptual <laughs> artists <laughs> and American white minimalist artists. Like I want to go learn my people. Like I want to do more with, with what I know about what exists in my community um, as it relates to artists, art, 
culture. And so I went to, I went back to school eight years later to the new school, got a master's degree um, in the sociology of art, because Mm. as much as I love art, I love artists more. So I wanted to understand how artists were in relationship during and through the Chicano art movement. And, you know, what I found was no different from what we usually experience, right? There's gender stuff. There was LGBTQ stuff that, you know, like the the dominant culture was intention with all of those things. But we managed to continue to to express, um, uh, you know, the artists continue to express themselves in ways that were really um, diverse, extraordinary, and sometimes reflective of the community, not always, but sometimes. Um, so it was great to have that opportunity to go back to school because unlike the first time I was really focused, girl, I was working full time, going to graduate school full time. I was bartending at night at this great jazz club in Brooklyn around the corner from where I live called night of the cookers. It's not there (laughs) anymore. And I was like hula dancing, like <laughs> like taking classes, right? Hula yeah. and Tahitian classes. So it was, I, I see my, uh, those two years, like between 98 and 2000, I was a robot. <laughs> I was just like produ- production, <laughs> learning, um, but always having fun, right? New York is the city of you work hard, you play hard. Mm. Um there's just an electricity to that city that I think when you're in your early stages of your career, it really helps to catapult because everyone's there, um, you know, driving themselves to mm. learn, to do, to make a mark. And um, I'm just really thankful that I was there during that time. And then in my bar, in, in my retracing at this <laughs> bar club I mean it was it was a spot like <laughs> Common and um Erica Badu were dating at that time like they would come in and like get a chicken Caesar salad like <laughs> we the, the artists the jazz groups that would perform there like the trios were extraordinary okay. one of one of the main mainly featured uh sax um uh tenor saxophonist um uh, Tio Joe's Avery is here in LA now. I mean, it's wild, right? Crazy. <laughs> like how people, I mean, so many people who lived in Brooklyn, in Fort Greene, shout out to all those folks who lived in Brooklyn and Fort Greene in the 90s. Um, Cause we're, it's almost, it was almost like a club. Like it was, you find people all over the world and we're like, oh, you are my neighbor. Um, but <laughs> I was talking to folks while waitressing at this place, artists. And they were like, yeah, I'm moving to LA. And I'm like, why? (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, well, there's more space. It's cheaper. Um, You know, more space in terms of like where they could do their their art, their work. And I kept hearing this and I'm like, well, damn, if artists are moving now to LA, maybe I should go, you know, why not? So I decided to move back to LA six months before 9-11 happened. That was weird. Yeah. And, and then I landed back here in LA and it was perfect timing. I had just finished this master's thesis on the Chicano art movement, its artists and how they all, you know, inter related to each other. So I wanted to, it, it was perfect timing for me to kind of be rooted in all of these things that I had researched and were part of my past, but very distantly. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was a convergence 
Um, I think that was that was really beneficial for me. That LA of 2000 is no longer. <laughs> it's, it tell me about cheap. it. It was still ungentrified to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, downtown was occupied by artists and yeah. incredible parties and incredible. Remember Firecracker? I don't know if you yeah. did. You go to Firecracker, yeah. girl. That and was I went church. to those after hours. Uh, what were they called? Mama. What was it called? Something mommya slap your mama, something mama. Oh, I don't know if I ever they maybe were like, I did. You I probably remember. did, but probably didn't know the name because they changed. They were like in warehouses in different parts of downtown. It was oh, like yes, after hours. Yes. Smack your mama. I forgot. Someone's gonna listen to me like yelling at it right now. But like, yeah, it was a time. Like it was an amazing time. I had just moved by myself to from because I graduated from Long Beach to LA and that's when I was an intern at the wake of Sean I was living by myself in K-Town in a slumlord place oh, and I, yes. it was like I was out and about by myself at these places and I was like this is amazing and that's that's amazing like you were a part of New York at an amazing time and then you moved to LA and the LA hip-hop was like the shit oh, and everything happening I mean yeah, you, you LA got to experience the a LA create. Yeah, I'm so I, I thank you for reminding me of that because I really do appreciate um, those memories and those experiences. The L.A. creative scene between 2000 and 2006, I would say that was just pop, it was popping. I mean, yeah. there 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 was that real um, it wherever the creatives were, that's where you wanted to be in LA. It was popping. You did not have the New York influence yet. um, Like you do now in LA. Um, And it, it was very rooted in people who had been, you know, in Los Angeles for generations. Right. So there was a depth to what was discussed, what was created, what was, um, expressed and yeah i mean that's where i met asul asul yeah <laughs> right? right asul yes. and um i um anyway that whole crew right yeah. and asul's like programming brand performances now and yeah. doing his damn thing and knocking it out the park and um, but all of those that whole crew and um and of course the visual artists right so I had a really wonderful um, bowl of of LA um, that that still benefits me today, and with people I met back then that I'm still in contact with today. The beautiful LA that was and is. I still have hope for it. it yeah, it, you know, <laughs> it, it's good to see people. I don't know like, anybody here anymore. Right. Same. <laughs> But it's good to see people like, you know, Azul. And then, you know, the, thanks again for the amazing question that you had for Garth. That episode is out now. And it's just like to see the evolution of all these people, of all of us, right? Like where, what we've been, what we've done, where we're doing. It's just like seeing the creative people move, you know, around and still are thank, in it somehow. Thank God for Chocolate City. Shout out Garth Trinidad and KCRW because when I came, that's what I, you know, when I first came, moved back to LA, 
that's what I was listening to. So, you know, talk about a DJ save my life. Please believe it. Please believe <laughs> but it. Yeah, it, 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 it was definitely um, very fruitful, I think, for a lot of people creatively during that time. Yeah. And to be yeah. the age, I feel like we we're maybe in the same age bracket. I feel like I might be older, but like during being that age when the city was bubbling, you know what I'm yes. saying? I got to experience a little bit of New York just by going out during that time. Um, how did you because I got offered a job during mm. that time at a record label and then I went out for um um, I went out for a music conference and it wasn't even winter. It was October and I was freezing my face oh, off yeah. and I was like, no. And I was, so how did you, how did you deal with the, the cold, um, the extreme wow. weathers being Angelino? Yeah. So I loved it. Oh. <laughs> so I don't know if you know this about me because I post about it and complain about it all the time. I hate heat I re- if the if the temperature is above 75 degrees I'm not happy so unlike most people who go from LA to New York and experience 30 degree below weather or even colder and they're like this is not for me I'm out I was like thriving <laughs> it's just something else I have to work around just so that I can stay living in New York, <laughs> but but also it didn't hit me right. I'm 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 I do well in the cold. Mm. Um, I don't know what that is, um, but I do well in cold temperatures. But I'll tell you a funny story. I was in school. Um, we were in a 12-story dorm building, and it was October or maybe even late September because unlike LA, y'all. Once Labor Day hits, literally the temperature drops the next day. There is no like, you know, fuzzy Easing area. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I think I looked, I woke up one morning, I looked out the window, it was hella sunny. <laughs> I put on shorts and I had a de la soul um neon glow in the dark t-shirt that I had gotten from the concert um uh, two years prior that I went to at Universal City. Um, when they were performing with LL Cool J, Slick Rick, I forget who else. But anyway, so I had that T-shirt on and I went outside and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? And, and the wind blows through the city, right? Yeah. And it just hits the chest and you're like, Whoa. so that was hella funny. Like, I'm sure people were <laughs> laughing at me, seeing me or go down in the elevator with shorts and a De La t-shirt uh, <laughs> so yeah no I, I loved it like I loved understanding like you can't buy polyester down you gotta buy the you know the real the down real feather deal. down or else you're gonna freeze your butt off you can't just buy regular socks you gotta buy wool socks you can't just buy regular tights you gotta buy wool tights like all See. these things um you learn thing. And then all, and then you, then when your small little apartment, right, you got to function your wardrobe where, okay, I got to put away the winter clothes, bring out summer clothes. Okay. The fall clothes. It was a thing, but I loved it. I adapted. Mm, it was mm. not a problem at all for me. Nice. That, <laughs> no wonder. All. No wonder. I've had friends, <laughs> had friends that moved out there during that time to start shit, big shit that is now big shit. And they were like in tears. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just like, I'm in layers. Like, what is happening? Like, you know, and I was like, I think because of that and experiencing, I was freezing my face off, and my New York friends were like, this ain't shit. And right. they're like, we're just in October. And I was like, okay, there's my decision. And yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, because once you get into February, whoo, mama. And the museum I worked at is still on 23rd between 10th and 11th, no, between 11th and 12th, right on the Hudson, right? So I live, like, mm-hmm. when I would go to work, like, I was running <laughs> between 11th and 12th abs, like, in all my, like, winter clothes with the wind just, like, no. Um, that was, yeah, I loved working in Chelsea at that time because it was still, it it was still ratchet. Mm-hmm. Like there were still sex workers, you know, on 12th, there were still needles, condoms, like all up and down in that area. Um, but I really liked that. Right. Like I didn't understand gentrification and how art washing happens and that that was what was going on there. <laughs> but, um, it's it, it it felt right. It felt mm. like the New York that I had always dreamed about yeah. in its extraordinary creativeness, energy, and dirtiness, like yeah. all of that together. <laughs> that combo, right? That combo. You can't. Yeah, it, it's a special. New York is a special place. That's amazing that you're able to tolerate the weather, that you thrived in it um, and that, you know, you went not knowing a single soul. And, you know, these. These special people were put in place for you, homeboy at the admissions, you know, Diana. And I'm, I'm going to have to think about how I, I met her here. You probably know her through Alice because she's she's cool with no, Alice. No, I met I met Diana a long time ago. Alice she, was like Diana newer. Was living, Diana lived in L.A. between 2000. Two that's, and 2006. I that's think. when I met her in that window for sure. But okay, yeah. yeah. So I don't remember how because I met Alice like more recently, like not more recently, but like later after that. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't remember how. Um, so okay. We so get I wanted, around, we get around. So it could be anywhere. Right. It could be anywhere. <laughs> and we we've, we've been in the same places. If you were in LA at that time, we've been in the same with us. We've been in the same places, I'm you know, sure. the same people. We were probably dancing, sweating next to each other. Like and it was, it was a must. It had to. Been. Exactly. Had to been. I was probably chasing some like <laughs> unrequited love in the corner <laughs> of the club, in the corner of Grand Star Lounge, <laughs> per usual. No, I was definitely up by the DJ booth. I remember that. <laughs> like. I was deaf. I remember Asul and Eric Coleman and yes. right the photography crew also yes. that were part because Diana was a photo- is was a photographer. Oh, that's we were in a exhibit together. I think that's how we we met. We were in an exhibit oh, together with Man One. Was it? Yeah, Man I One? think so. I think it. Oh, I, I think we're it. in a book together. Maybe I think we might be in a book together. I'll look it up. Oh, I'll see. please look it up. I'd love to see that. Shout out to Man One. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago or last month at a talk um, about public art at um, art space, I think downtown. So nice. loved seeing him and hearing about, yeah, him yeah. thriving. I owe, right I, owe, I owe so much to, to that man. Um, okay. So I wanted to touch upon something that I witnessed 
um, maybe it's a couple of months now. It was the NALAC National Latinx Summit. Yes. And you and Fe from Mujeres de Maíz and Dr. Uh, Amalia Mesa Baines did this amazing presentation, I would say, um, in time of healing, ofrendas of remembrance. Yeah. Dude. First and foremost, it was my first time. I was like, oh, I get to attend this for free virtually. And I went to all these panels and I was just like, yo, this is like what I need. My And I told you, I think I texted you and I was like, yo, this is what my soul needed. This was I was in a place mm. of uh, been in a place of this creative like pause. I had no bandwidth. And that was so inspiring on so many fucking levels right and especially mm -hmm. because you know i live in la and i'm from san diego so socal right i you know spent you know my my um you know bonus family they're from the bay you know so i know kind of like those histories right and new yeah. york history is different but as far as like mexican history and other mm. places i saw someone talk about the 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 history on speaking on that but in chicago Right. And I was like, yes, I, this is the kind of information that I need. And yeah. um, your presentation with those amazing women. Uh, it was like, what? It was mm. timely. It was eye opening, inspiring. And I just wanted to talk more about a little bit and say, how did that come about? Um, and yeah, I mean. You know, yeah. from the presentation, you you were talking with Dr. Um, Amalia Mesa Baines and saying how you guys met and stuff. And I was like, mm -hmm. and, and, and behind 100, I wasn't knowing of mm -hmm. her. I wasn't mm -hmm. knowing. And then as she's talking, I was researching and I was like, yo, her work is amazing. She's a chingona. Like... <sighs> Yes, like all the chills and feels for Dr. Amaya Mesa Baines. I, I love what you said about the space, right? Like being in this, even if, imagine if that this was in person. Forget about it. Forget about <laughs> but, it. Forget, yeah, about, forget it. about it. But every person who comes into contact, who I know and have taught and have been in community with, um, through the National Association of Latino Arts and Cultures, NALAC, has said that same thing. This is what I needed. I had no idea what this meant. This, 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 the ability to come together in community with other Latinx artists, arts administrators, leaders, multi, you know, multi-generational to learn um, the language right that we may already have we may not already have but to be um speaking the same language for lack of a better word um to have the same values to you know la i love i think somebody i somebody was tweeting out there um you can only hate la if you love it right? <laughs> right, totally. and i'm like yeah that's me right that's like me. sometimes love la yeah, sometimes LA can get tiring because we're always critiquing. Yeah. Right? Always. We're always critiquing and we're always in this space of generational trauma um at the hands of multiple systems here. Um and not that these other people from other places aren't also, but I think when 
when we come together, there's a suspension of that. Yeah. It's really all of that is suspending. We're in the space together of magic. And I can't talk, I it, I cannot talk enough about Nalak, but please check them out. And yes, um, nalak.org. We'll yeah. Sure. Um, transformative. The other, the other place that was transformative for me was self-help graphics and art, right? Mm-hmm. In East Los, now in Boyle Heights, um, 40, 50 year old um, Chicano Art Center, Latinx Art Center. They, they're um, both as participant and then later as executive director. That's where I learned about these rituals that my mm-hmm. grandmother and parents used to do sort of kind of but I never knew what they were and then it was there that I learned about the other los muertos from culture bears from artists who started it back in 1970 I mean that's wild right and and so um it was there also that I learned about these incredible Chicano Latinx artists like Dr. Amalia Mesa Baines and educators, right? Um, but we, I met um, Amalia at her opening um, at an exhibit at, at at the exhibition opening of Neo Hoodoo at the Manil Art Collection in Houston through my friend Franklin Sermons. Hello. Hello. Right? <laughs> so so she had an installation this gorgeous installation of an altar but one of the things that I always remember was as you approach the ofrenda she had lavender all on the floor Mm. and so it wasn't just a visual experience it was this sensorial experience across the board of memory of scent of antepasados Mm. of these beautiful arrangements right her installations that are all so spiritual um that are also open up so you know I was already like (laughs) (laughs) bowing at the altar (laughs) um but but we found each other again on Instagram during the pandemic and we were DMing with each other through the whole lockdown and we were talking about grief right I had been Mm. posting about grief I'd been posting about the losses the injustices all of that and she was like you know I think we need to do something Mm. collectively for our comunidad to process all of this stuff and I was like I'm down like whatever we come up with I'm down so it just so happened that as we were developing the idea the opportunity, thank so thankful to the staff at Nalak, the opportunity to sort of launch this project um, uh, uh, was in, it, it was an intersection with the, with the Latinx Summit. Um, and so we were able to put together a presentation, um, but do it in a way that was really respectful as if we, not as if, but we were in ceremony as a community, as a national community we were in ceremony. And so we really wanted to um, honor that. And, you know, we brought in Fab because all three of us, there are many ways to practice the other Los Muertos to practice ancestral um, prayer and, and 
remembrance and adoration. But, you know, all three of us, we come from the Chicano tradition, right, which which we shared with everybody there. Um, is is grounded in two principles, resistance and affirmation. And so I wanted someone who had always been a part of the community, who we always had at Self-Help Graphics and Art, part of um, the other Los Muertos and, and that um, that honoring and celebration. And so we invited Fe to do that. And it was just so uh, on point. Um, and it was also important for us to share that there are many expressions. The ones, the one we did was just one, um, and to really uplift the diversity that exists within this thing we call Latinidad. And then, um, you know, just to have this multi generational group of women too um, together in service um, and in learning and in storytelling. I mean, we just need to do that more. more. Like we need more of that um, and more stories, more expressions, more uplifting of the many, many stories that have yet to be known. So such, you know, I, I had chills through the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I had chills through the whole thing. It was great to be able to share that. And it's still up. Um, we have um, Ofrendas and Remembrance. We have the uh, Kudo board where um, if you wanted to share uh, an ofrenda, a digital ofrenda of someone that you love who's no longer with us, um, you know, whether it was because of COVID or for whatever reason, you can still go um, you can still go to Nalak's website and search for ofrendas of remembrance and the link is there um i'll add it to the show notes for everyone yeah for please sure. do yeah it's not just meant for the other los muertos it's really up for um collective healing have your kids been in a house playing video games in your space way too long Now you can get them outdoors and still be social while social distancing at the skate side after school and group skateboarding classes. Skate students get to improve their skating and decompress after a long day or week of school. This program is awesome for beginners to get started or advanced skaters to take their skills to the next level. Go to theskateside.com and learn about our COVID-safe programs in Santa Monica, Culver City, Glendale, and South Pasadena. That's T-H-E-S-K-A-T-E-S-I-D-E dot com. The Skate Side. More kids skating. That's amazing. Thank you again for putting that together and having those conversations and being in contact during these times where, you know, you're just talking and having these conversations where things like this can come out of it, where yeah. you help, you form community, you helped community, the community. And it was just like, I was texting my homegirl, Candy, shout out to Candy. And I was like, yo, you got to get on this shit right now. And I was like, this is amazing. Da-da-da. And she was inspired as well. And every year she does uh, a big altar at um, Spark at LA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she does that. And so, you know, it inspired her to take it to the next level and what she was doing at her kid's school and presentation 
And then she shared her presentation that they were going to do for the school. And then I learned a lot. I've I've been fortunate enough to experience Dia de los Muertos in Oaxaca. Way like wow. And I was by myself. It was my solo trip. I, it was a whole thing. I was taking Spanish classes, cooking classes from this like abuelita. Stayed with the um a familia. Had an awesome. It was amazing oh um, my god it was one for the books and it, it started you know i was there for two weeks but i did the all the stuff the comparsas and everything like that so i got this experience you know mexican like a mexican dia de los muertos oaxaca way right and then with yeah. her presentation i saw that the ones i forgot what area what country and they do where they do the kites Yes, that's in um I think it's Guatemala. Um yeah, I, I think, think El Salvador too. Um, but I think it's Guatemala, if I'm not mistaken. Just like but, yeah. these amazing, like uh, you know, celebration of Dia de los Muertos, but the traditions that they do. And I was just like, this is gorgeous and beautiful. And we need to know more of this. You know, we need to you to 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 learn how it's celebrated in all the different ways because all the different ways. Like you said, and what's important, you were expressing at your presentation, like, yo, this is one way of doing it. This ain't the way, the only way. This is one way. And and to yeah. just remind us, like, we're not a monolith, guys. We, within, within, there's so many different ways. I mean, within Mexico, where it supposedly started, although they were doing it in other parts of, right, indigenous communities throughout latin america so we and we don't have dates right like so but you know mexico is the the dominant <laughs> play, their player there but so we we always read stuff about it but even within mexico there's a variety of different expressions what happens in oaxaca doesn't happen within um the effect right like yeah. what happens in veracruz isn't happening in um sinaloa like it's yeah. all different. It's all it's different, different. Dude. Yeah. And so I, I love that. And we need more of that. And I love, you know, being starting to be part of more of these communities, right? Where I think I've mentioned before, you know, I look to whatever I'm doing, I want to be part of those communities of people that kind of look like me. But when I look for them, they might look like me, but they're not like me. They're maybe. really, do you know what I'm saying? They're like, mm. maybe have a, 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 a Latinx last surname, but we're just whiting it up. We're just like adding a little bit of color. And I don't like that, you know? And what, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't yes. need that. That's not me. I can't relate yes. to that. I don't want to yes. be the white version of me, like a white version of a, you know, a Mexican girl. I, no, like I want to <laughs> do my shit, the things that I'm into. Anyways. Being an artist and being a, a a woman and certain things that you and I are into, it's hard to find that community, right? But being yeah. in this space was, like I said, it was magical. So thank you to you. Thank you to the organization. You guys do. Everyone does amazing stuff. Um, yeah. How are you doing on time? Because I have a couple more sections. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Okay. Yeah. So one question I forgot to ask on episode seven when you and Colony were on is... How are you on Roy Choi's best friend's wall? <laughs> Get around. <laughs> Just kidding. First of all, um, he doesn't know this, but I have shared with my friend who is friends with him 
that um, no disrespect to his wife, who I do not know, but I have, I still crush on him. I mean, he sold his show, like what he does, how he does it. He is definitely my celebrity crush. So thanks for your choice. But the way <laughs> my mug, the way my floating head <laughs> got on the wall of best friend um, in Las Vegas is through my friend Fung Wen who's an artist, um, and uh, she was commissioned by Roy Choi and his team to do a mural that celebrated um, the culture and diversity of LA and LA creative. So every person, every floating head is a friend of Fung's and or is a creative, someone she's been inspired by. Um, and so I, you know, it was such an honor, That's such dope. an honor. Dope. I mean, she, my girl, but still like, yeah. she, it was such an honor when she told me, you know, you're going to be in this mural, <laughs> and it was so good. It's like, oh my God, this is like incredible. Um, I still have not, I am shamefully admitted, admitting that I still have not gone. <laughs> us either, us either. And I'm, I'm, I'm bummed. To. But the yeah, pandemic I mean, put a put a pause on that shit. For sure, for sure. But um, it's always something funny when I when when it first opened and all the press was coming out and I see my head in the yeah. background. But this is all due to the incredible talent, mind, um, and and person that is Feng Wen, um, and she is talk about can't stop, won't stop. She's like project public art projects, exhibitions. Um, she teaches, she got two little boys, you know, boys wow. and single mom. And I mean, wow. she, she's the inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's the inspiration. And so, um, she did that with, with Roy Troy and his team for that, for that opening, for that, for that location. Cause it's you. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. It's not like, oh, it kind of resembles her. It is you. It's your Baby, head. I got the bun. I got the glasses. I got the, the gold, right? The, the hoops on. You know, I'm representing for sure. It <laughs> Thank you, you. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing work. Um, And I can't wait till, you know, you get the chance to go. And hopefully when you're there, Roy's there as well. I need to see all the pictures, all the yes. stuff. I'm excited to, tr to to experience that too, uh, to go there too. Um, okay. Fair, fair warning, Roy. Um, I'm going to be standing for a little while. I might be awkward, <laughs> definitely, for the first couple of minutes. But then, you know, it'll be all love. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. He agreed. I just haven't had him on, but he agreed to be on. So that's your so, all right, you're getting called in. We are calling you in, Roy. <laughs> you need to get your PR person to schedule you to have this convo with Ritzy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, questions and comments from the audience. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Uh, uh, this is an easy one here. Uh, maybe. Uh, what are you reading right now? This is from Colony Little. She was on your episode, um, art writer extraordinaire from L.A., now in North Cackalack. What are, she what are you is? reading? Oh, North Carolina. That's right. I was like, is she in North Cali? See how I'm, I'm still West, <laughs> West Coast, uh, a little leaning in the West Coast. 
what am I reading right now? Oh my gosh. I read all the time for research, but, um, just, uh, I guess in terms of, um, the book that I'm, I'm reading Arlene Davila's book, um, because, well, the, 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 the. <laughs> And I'm 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 having a brain fart with the uh, title. Um, it is uh, Latinx art art artist markets and politics by okay. Arlene Davila. Yeah, get it. Support support Latinx art writers and critics. Um, mm. But certainly um, as as I try to, as we together try to formulate language for what Latinx art is, mm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I find myself pulling in younger uh, contemporary artists and thinkers, as well as indigenous contemporary artists and thinkers um, uh, books. So mm. I'm also uh, reading, I'm also right after Arlene Davila's book, um, I have decolonizing epistemologies by it's a it's a collection of mm. work that just talks about how storytelling, how collection of information um, has happened and should happen moving forward from our communities and indigenous communities. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking of I, I like reading stuff that is informing an expanded way of thinking mm. about these topics so yeah and I follow Arlene Davila on Twitter too so I get the best of both worlds her <laughs> book and her um and her thoughts so that's what I'm reading I'm nice, sure nice. Colony knows this book too oh, as I'm a sure. fellow art writer yeah totally um, okay, this other question uh, is something that, you know, we can touch upon real quick. If you want, we could skip it, whatever. But it's she wanted to know our thoughts on this article that I sent you. It was a political and a little snippet from it was the numbers suggest that using Latinx in a is a violation of the political Hippocratic Oath, which is to first do no electoral harm, said Amandi, um, who was the poll taker in this. Um, it says, whose firm advised Barack Obama's successful Hispanic outreach nationwide in his two presidential campaigns. Why are we using a word that is preferred by only 2% but offends as many as 40% of those voters we want to win? So thoughts on that. I don't know if you had time to read the article. I did. Wanted to hear your thoughts. Yeah, the article was was everything I had read before. Um, so it wasn't anything that was um, screaming out, you know, something controversial. Um, the funny thing about names in the con in a U.S. context is <laughs> they have never. Number one, they have not been consistent. And number two, they have always been hated. Mm. So 40% of people hating Latinx is nothing new from when <laughs> Latino came around in the 80s and when Hispanic was created in the early 70s. People hated it. We didn't have social media then to express our hatred. <laughs> but but I'll tell you, I guess, you know, there's that old movie and Chicanos use this um, as a joke a lot, right? It's sort of like a, 
um, a, a call to arms, right? If someone says this, you're like, ah, Chicano. Um, <laughs> the, the, the quote from that movie that I don't remember the title, but the character who's Mexican, um, he says, we don't need no stinking badges. Oh. Like, you know, like I don't need a badge to tell uh, me who I am or to tell, like, you don't need to, yeah, I don't need no stinking badges. I think that attitude goes mm. into any attempt by U.S. government, because that's where these, um, well, most of them, with the exception of Latinx, yeah. or institutions, right? There's a real resistance about calling us something that holds more than that person, right? Yeah. Like other things. And and so I have to put this into perspective. Hispanic was created by a group of Mexican elites that were working for out in D.C., right, who wanted to uh, put front and center um, this demographic that was made up of wildly different communities from Mexican to Mexican-American to Puerto Rican, Dominican, Cuban, right? And they wanted one name mm. to be able to navigate the U.S. political system. And so, you know, it was an attempt to unify a political block. The other reason or who was right behind or maybe also in those conversations were media companies like Telemundo, mm. Univision. They had a big vested interest in combining all of these audiences sure. so that they could create one market. That was Hispanic, but by the way, does not include Brazil mm. because Br Brazil doesn't don't speak, speak Spanish. Spanish. Yep. And, you know, some um, definitely the indigenous communities throughout um, Latin America and Mexico and Haiti, mm -hmm. right, which is now part of it's, it's, it's Latina, um, it's Latin America and the Caribbean, right? So Haiti is part of that. So that's where Latino comes into play. Like 10 or 20 years later, nobody liked Latino, not for any gender, right? You're changing the, but because no, I'm not Latino, I'm Mexican, <laughs> I'm Puerto Rican, I'm New Yorican, I'm yeah. Chicano, like, right? Like all of that. Yeah. Then this term Latinx comes around. It was created by people who identified as Latino who were also identifying as LGBTQ, gender non-binary. And they wanted, they, they advanced this term, right? Switching out the gender O and A to an X as a way to be more inclusive, right? Of folks who did not identify as Latino or Latina. That was it. I love the comments on Twitter. Right. Where, where it would be something completely different, like a topic like Latinx, um, uh, you know, a year, a year recap, Latinx celebrities in <laughs> in Hollywood. And then the comments are like, stop using Latinx. Like it has nothing to do with the topic, everything to do with how people hate Latinx. And then. A lot of the comments are there. There is a myth out there that Latinx was created by white people. It was not. 
Yeah. It was created by students in academia, Latino and Latina and Latinx students in academia to be more inclusive. Jen, as we continue this conversation, expand our awareness around gender um, and, and gender labels. So it's just funny, like they will ignore the important issues yeah. like housing, immigration, yeah. economic inequality. I say they meaning us. Um, and and yet they will go in hard on this for the name. Latinx label. Yeah. How how Obama engaged the Latino community in the US during his run for president came from his skills, experience, and history in grassroots organizing. It had nothing to do with what he called us. It had to do with he was knocking on doors. Doing the work. He was listening to stories. He was, he was calling people by their name. He was getting specific. Latino communities felt we were heard by this president. And it and it definitely and we definitely showed up at the polls for him, right? Mm-hmm. So I love how pundits and media like they want to crystallize some magic right, the magic nugget that is the cause. And it's like it's it, it's it's about people, it's yeah. about human contact, it's about someone who potentially could have a, a lot of power listening to the average day person, like literally physically listening to them, right? Being there at their home. So um, whatever the, whatever political wants to imagine, that was the key to Obama's success. And I will add Bernie Sanders' success Mm -hmm. because he did the same thing. And we came out in the primary for Bernie Boo Boo. Like Latinos <laughs> represented for Bernie. Yes. Yeah, and, so and, and I will these say, polls, in these polls, who are you polling? Like, you know what I'm saying? You're not polling the people that it yeah. So it's yeah. And and I will say that language evolves. Look, you don't want I'll put it this way, since we were on the East Coast topic before earlier on, right? One of the things I love about East Coast and East Coast men, they got three names. They got <laughs> their government names. Yeah. They got their, you know, whatever people started calling them when they were little, which is different from their government name. Exactly. And then they got their street name. I mean, why can't we just look at things like that, right? Yeah. We got, yeah. we have multiple ways of describing ourselves. Um and so it's it's just like put, you know, get your government name and do what we got to do and represent so that we're not forgotten in spaces of power when decisions that affect us are being made. Like, that's what it is. It's just putting on another coat or, yeah. you know, putting on your 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 work clothes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then taking them off at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Me more though, dude, like we there are such bigger <laughs> issues than whether. I mean, I love the question because we need to address that. Yeah, we but need to have more when people are commenting, I hate nothing next. You shouldn't use it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> use whatever you want. Yeah, you just don't you know? use it. Fine. But exactly. Vote. Vote. But vote. Yes. <laughs> Participate. Be a part of the process. Let your voice be heard. That's exactly. the point of that. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I love all the I need to get my street name. I need to get my 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 two other names. I love that. 
I love that. Uh, and then you knew you knew that dude had feelings for you when he gave you his government his real name. name. <laughs> when he gave you his like, that was that's that's what happened with my now partner husband when he met and he was like, Oh, he wrote his name down, his real name and his number. And I was like, oh, he wrote his real name, his, his government name. name, his real name. Hilarious. Okay. The final <laughs> Gracias Colony. Love yes. her so much. She's gonna be on coming in the new year. And then um the last one is a comment. It says right. she's high on my list of badass people. She makes anything she touches better heart emoji. This is from Rafael Cardenas, photographer extraordinaire. Mm. He just had you on his podcast. And I was like, I hit him up and I said, listen, I don't know you, but we both know Yvonne, our girl. Yvonne. So yes. if, if there's something you want to ask, comment, da, 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 da. And this is what he came up with. And I was very, very thankful. So Oh, Rafa, thank you. That means a lot to me, especially when it comes from an artist. I mean, besides Roy Choi, I stan artists, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, that makes me feel really good because sometimes we all get into the, you know, you get in, into the work and you're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And it, it feels good. I can't front. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yay. Okay. Now, since you've been on before, the the rat, not so rapid fire questions, aka slow hell questions, already answered. So now we're going to the not so rapid fire questions, the aka slow as hell questions, part the, and these are specifically for you. Okay. NYC or LA? NYC. To code switch or not to code switch? To code switch. Out of necessity, out of survival. Out of survival. Please believe mm. it. Favorite ghost face killer track of all time. <laughs> you got to see her face. You got to see her face. <laughs> I knew it. I was like, I got to get it with this one. <laughs> oh, I don't. Oh, if I. Okay. You can only pick one. Track. Because look, everything Ghost spits on Raekwon's Built for Cuban Links is fire. I mean, they that's the Capricorn Taurus magic they make together. But I would say um, it's it's got to be Cherche La Ghost. I okay. get you know it's got to yeah. be Cherche La Ghost. There's okay. there's others, but like that you put that on at a party, it's on. It's on. Forget about it. Forget about it. It's sweat time. And I am still um, aspiring. I haven't found the right one. But I, too, want to adopt a uniform of a bathrobe yes. and uh, wear that, like, everywhere I go with the dookie gold chain, yes. right? Like, I, I, I would like to uh, be known for that in my <laughs> later, the later half of my year. Yes. <laughs> Oh, there goes Yvonne. You know, she was wearing that robe. She was wearing the fuck out of that robe. Final, final question. Uh, new moon or full moon? Full moon. Okay. I love, I, you know, uh, if I had a, I guess my street name would be Intensidad because I love it intensely. <laughs> 
I was just, you know, to see the full moon in all of its beauty and mm. all of the intense vibes and energies that are, you know, the moon, blame it on the moon kind of stuff. <laughs> full moon every day, all day. <laughs> Love it. And that wraps up our part do questions that are specifically made for you. I loved Yvonne, muchísimas gracias for taking the time and having this combo with me. I loved learning more about you. Um, I can't wait for it to be a different type set of circumstances because I need to see you more often in person. I need to break bread. Maybe we go to best friends to see Maybe your we mug. Do road trip. What? Oh, and, excuse. And fun is saying like when are we going so like girls road trip boom, That's boom. amazing <laughs> and we also have to make sure that we coordinate it so that it's when roy's there too like it has right. to be you know what i'm saying like the whole shebang because i need when, to witness witness this standing in person witness the, the, the awkward girl like the awkward girl <laughs> like oh my gosh like i i stand for the weirdest folk not the weirdest but i don't stand for celebrities right like i stand for thinkers mm. culinary artists poets and writers like those yeah i get awkward and like nervous around but so change, that will be change happening. agents people that make change that create change and that add that. to community make spaces like yeah those those are the ones those are the ones i also love how he put i forget his name but the guy who's on his show chef Mm-hmm. I love how he always checks him. Yeah. <laughs> don't get too, don't get too, like, uh-uh, slow it down. I'm the chef here. Like, ooh, yes. Do that. Check it. I love it. That'll be fun. I can't wait for that road trip. That'll be great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me back. It was hella fun for me. And now, introducing the Supernatural Bear Corner. Supernatural Bear. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Supernatural Bear Corner. Um, for today, I know it's a little bit late, but we are talking about one of my mama's friends, and I'm here to talk about some Dia de los Muertos stuff. Now, if you don't know what Dia de los Muertos is, and you are thinking that it is the Halloween of Mexico, you are incorrect, and that is very offensive. Um... Dia de los Muertos is a day where we celebrate those who are sadly no longer with us. And not in a sad way, more like in a happy way. Instead instead of mourning their loss, more like remembering the great times we had with them. And um, an important thing about Dia de los Muertos is... Make sure you add the... <laughs> Dia de los Muertos is... Altars. And altars are um like little things that are it's hard to describe, but if I had to describe them they would be like they would have pictures of the lost ones and some of their favorite f- pictures of some of their favorite foods and 
things and people and stuff like that. And um, you would put them all together in one place so that way they can come and they can, their spirits can visit you. Also, little kids, if you are listening to this, unfortunately, they will not appear physically. So if your little hamster died, I'm sorry, you won't be able to physically see him ever again. But you'll be able to see him mentally. So, hey, it's something, okay? It's something. Um, but Dia de los Muertos is important to Latinx... Lat, Latinx? Yeah, you can say Yeah, that. Latinx culture, and um, we do it every year. This is our first year doing an altar, and yeah. Um, my mom's friend, Ivani? Ivan. Ivan. Miss Ivan, um, she made an amazing presentation about Dia de los Muertos, which I recommend you go check out. My mom will put the link to it in the show notes below, like right after you finish listening to this. And yeah, um, but this has been the SMB signing off. Goodbye, everyone. Shooping do. Episode 57. That was episode 57 of Word to Your Mama. How great was she? Yes. Yvonne Gallardo, um, Good Timers, like I said, Kindred Spirits. And I'm going to put this out there again into the universe. I'm trying to manifest that whether I go or not, that Yvonne makes it to her beautiful mug on the wall of Roy Choi's best friend in Las Vegas and that the the stars and the moons and the suns align and that Roy Choi will be there. I just want to witness um, just knowing that it went down, but I definitely want to witness her meeting one of her crushes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that would be amazing. So manifest, manifest, manifest. Uh this is, let's see, I think there's only two more episodes that will be new that are coming out for 2021. Thank you so much for your support. Next week, we have the final relatives of the year. The, it's also the week of um, Naisha's birthday. Her, but she's a Christmas baby. And then the last episode, the final episode of 2021 will be just, you know, a short one of the Supernatural Bear and I. You know, it's gift giving season. So why not give the gift of some enamel pens, some tea towels that Yvonne so graciously mentioned that she loves and supports? Go visit our store. That's right. We'll have a link to that. Perfect gifts. You still have enough time, depending on where you are in the world, especially in the country, uh, to get them mailed out in time for the holidays. Okay, or say you, you know, you've been buying a grip of gifts for your family and friends. Why not treat yourself, treat yourself and buy yourself something. And so it can get, you know, can arrive to you before the year is over or within the new year, you know, the beginning. So make that happen. Also, uh, if you want to support, the best way to support this podcast is to leave a review. These are free ways to support. Leave a review and spread it and tell your folks and tell your peeps and tell your friends. 
I appreciate that, but we need to get this out because we need more people to listen to this so we can share the voices, these diverse voices, far and wide. Uh, and yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Appreciate it. And as always, we reap. Word to Your Mama is owned and produced by Ritz P. Intro Beat, produced by Nico Beats. If you want to know anything about Word to Your Mama, including Media Kit, go to wordtoyourmama.com. And as always, Word to Your Mama is brought to you by ritzyperiwinkle.com.